This then leads to, like I said, this, this idea or thought, is there something wrong with me? I've got an, an unfixable biological thing in me that is, in fact, broken. I don't think that's ever going to change. This can lead to serious bouts of depression. The fatigue of dealing with it, the depression of thinking this is unsolvable is leading you down a very sad road. Folks, welcome to Counselors Can Help. Let's demystify the process of counseling. We want to remove barriers, answer your questions, educate, entertain, and inspire you to action. Folks, today we're in our last show about anxiety. It's information-packed. It's exhausting. It's exhilarating. You're going to want to go back and re-listen to it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get started. Folks, welcome back to Counselors Can Help. Hey, today, I promise, it's the last show on anxiety. It's going to be the, the best one to tie it all together. And I want to start off with a couple of reminders. One, go to counselorscanhelp.com. There's resources there you can use. There are uh, books and links to things that I definitely have uh, used myself or offered to my clients lots of times. I don't get anything from those. They're just generally very good resources. There are links to things like how to find a counselor. There are links to, hey, I have questions about suicide prevention or a loved one I'm worried about. There are resources there to go to. And also the show. The show is there. So uh, feel free to, to check that out. I've done a lot of work on that website. Very proud of it. Next thing is, and I've said this before, really appreciate and um, I recommend that you pass this show along to folks who you think need it. That's really how you can be a great part of the chain of helping someone in a very positive, powerful way and having no training in this whatsoever. I mean, what a great deal. You can help someone with therapy, get started. Maybe it's a friend, family member, someone at work, and just sort of let them check out the shows and see what they're interested in. And you know, you just never know how someone can suddenly take to this kind of a thing. So I ask that you pass this show along. Um, it's a great way to keep getting the information out there. Okay, so uh, let's get on with the anxiety idea. One question that is worth asking, and that is, how do I know about anxiety? Um, some of you that have listened to all the shows or a good portion of the shows know that it's something that I suffered with tremendously about uh, eight years ago or so. I had breast cancer and a huge, what I call, uh, I tell all my clients, an anxiety collapse. Uh, so I've lived this. I know, uh, I think I've gotten about as deep into it as, as anyone. And uh, I came out of this. And these, these concepts that I talk about in this anxiety series are things that I did not read out of a book necessarily. I mean, there are things that I, certainly with training and uh, schooling, uh, there are concepts that I address and that are somewhat universal. But most of these things, and say probably all of them, are things that I used personally, and I again, I feel good recommending them or endorsing them because they absolutely worked for me. So that's, I guess, where I'm coming from on this show and, and your motivation, I guess, to listen is because I'm not just preaching these ideas that I think are sort of mainstream talking points. I'm feeling like these are things that I think can be quite effective. So this anxiety series is meant to be a place you can go to just get started on anxiety recovery and then also ideas for how a counselor can help with that down the road. So uh, I really hope you take to this idea and uh, listen to the shows because I think they can be quite effective. I'm going to start off now with an idea or a concept that I talk about in 
the session room that I am with a client, and that is this idea of there are three concepts, willingness, anxiety, and vitality. You've probably never heard of some of these used in this way. So I do quite an extensive bit of board work uh, in session on this idea. And the first part, there are two parts of it. One is to show that the current way you're probably living with anxiety is keeping you in place. The struggle you're having with it is not going to change until you change your approach to it. The approach you're probably stuck in, most likely, is some form of your willingness is low, meaning your willingness to have the emotion, the anxiety emotion is low. You don't want it. You want it gone. Your anxiety is probably quite high. Your vitality, meaning what are you getting out of life? Are you getting things that you want to do is probably quite low. You may be getting things done. You may be feeling like um, I'm getting tasks accomplished, but I don't feel that my life is moving in any sort of direction or I'm not fulfilled or I spend all my time just constantly worried about what could happen and I'm enjoying nothing, basically. So willingness is low. I don't want the emotion. Anxiety is high. We all know what that feels like. And your vitality of what you're getting out of each day is quite low. This is accompanied with an idea that says, when I get through with my anxiety, when my anxiety drops, I figure out the key to lowering anxiety, then I'll be happy. The problem is, this is a a never-ending wait. It's a never-ending wait for the day that comes when anxiety goes down. And here's the worst part. The worst part is, you then spend a lot of time during the day focused on many ideas that you're thinking about that are quite um, literally a waste of time. I I don't know how best to describe them, but you'll be doing things like saying, oh, this is unfair. What could happen? What I should have done 10 years ago? Worries and concerns about uh, lots of scenarios going off in your head, maybe feeling judged by coworkers, family members, you name it. Limiting yourself, saying, well, I'm, I'm sort of cutting back on my dreams. I can't really do all the things I intended to do. This anxiety is just too much. Maybe feeling that this is unfair. Um, lots of ideas and concepts that there's plenty of meat there probably. There's probably lots of storyline behind those ideas. The problem is they get you nowhere. All those ideas and thoughts are most likely legitimate in your life and you have a great reason for sort of going down those thought roads. Problem is, they always bring back nothing. And they focus on your anxiety level, about how your anxiety should be lower. And the unfairness or the the frustration that your anxiety is not going down. So it tends to almost put these thoughts on steroids and you spend a lot of time in this mindset or worrying about some upcoming event, about what it will do to your anxiety and what that could possibly mean. This is exhausting. And so what you wind up with is then a thought that says, well, I've been battling this for months, years, potentially, and there must be something wrong with me. I have not found the solution. Someday I will find the fix for this. I will find the trick and it's not gone. And in fact, it's here. It's as strong as it ever was. And I don't have the fix for it. It's just getting worse. This then leads to, like I said, this, this idea or thought, is there something wrong with me? I've got an, an unfixable biological thing in me that is in fact broken. 
I don't think that's ever going to change. This can lead to serious bouts of depression. The fatigue of dealing with it, the depression of thinking this is unsolvable is leading you down a very sad road, um, in fact. So what this then leaves logically is to say, well, I have no solution for it. So I'm just going to start drinking, smoking marijuana, whatever it is that you never intended to do, never wanted to do, and are now sort of feeling like, well, that's it. All I got to do is just sort of keep shoving this anxiety down. And then I will someday feel better. And that's how I'm going to how I'm going to approach this. Well, you can, you can again see the problems here because the more you drink, the more you smoke, the more you do whatever it is, porn addictions, all these things are generally born of some form of anxiety or stress management that has gotten out of control. This endless chase is born of the idea that when I get my anxiety down, then I will be happy. And that has not occurred. So that's frustrating and people spend lots of time, money, effort, trying to get anxiety down. So you can see the costs of this are quite enormous and the costs of this problem is quite enormous and people battle it. This is very real and it can come in many forms. So what to do? What is, what is different? You may say, well, that sounds a lot like me, but I don't know what else to do with it. So the other part of this exercise that is to get into a values discussion and, and it goes like this. Some people freak out with the term values and values in this case is not a moral thing. It's not, uh, I always say, go to church, be a good boy. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about are values and things that are important to you and important in your life. And I'm going to walk through some examples here to try to put a finer point on this. Values generally surround the thing that says, hey, my life is different than I want it to be because of anxiety. Because of anxiety, I stopped doing things that I really feel like are, are me, that I should be doing, but I just can't seem to do them. Anxiety has become the sole focus. It is now the thing that drives my life in every thought and every way. And therefore, I have to stop doing things like going to the gym or dating or you know whatever it is because I can't. I'm not going to leave the house. I can't. Well, who, who, who dreams of having a life where you never leave your house? That's probably not something you dreamt about as a young child, but it's a place that you can find yourself in very quickly when this stuff gets out of control and you're into panic attacks, etc. It can be very quite intense. So a value example is just to say, well, if I value, say, my personal health, I want to figure out a way to run, go to the gym, whatever it is, um, and do the things that I, I really want to do because I value those things and I'm not going to let anxiety stop me from doing these things. Uh, what that looks like in practice is to say, what I want to focus on is, is am I living the life I want and I'm going to try to focus less on my anxiety level. I'm going to try to just let my anxiety be what it is. What this tends to do is gets you to focus more on the things that you've ignored or let go or, or hobbies or things that you've stopped doing because of all the time you spend on anxiety. And you start focusing on things that are more important to you and you probably enjoy. And now you spend less time doing all the stuff we just talked about before, about the, the sort of the thought road that people go down. And the anxiety in some ways starts to drop. Ultimately, that's not your goal here, uh, although it seems like you know, it should be the goal, but the goal is to start living the life back that you want to live. 
So the person who says, I really um, admire or want to be uh, someone who is in uh, great health, great fitness, well, they're going to need to reaccomplish those things or redo them that is meaningful to them and worry less about what anxiety has to say about this event or, or what you're doing. So the person that is Uh, in this health example, is going to say, well, I can't go to the gym right now. I I really just, it creeps me out. Well, that person then says, all right, I am now determined to figure out how I can break this anxiety so I can get back in the gym. And the way you do that is sort of a slow process of doing that. What's different here is that the person is not saying, I can't go to the gym because of anxiety. The person is saying, well, anxiety is stopping me now. But because my values say I want to be in there doing things, I'm going to try to figure out a way to, you know, slowly or have a counselor help me figure out, and there are numerous ways to do this, how to get back in the gym. This is trying to get anxiety to not be the front focus of your life. It is merely a uh, sort of a sideshow. As you learn to do this bit by bit, this is when anxiety stops becoming the center focus and now all of a sudden progress is made. So this is, that is a values way or a, or a values idea of how you can think about anxiety. Uh, anxiety wasn't the thing, it never was the thing. The, the idea is that you, are you living your life? Are you doing what's important in your life? Are you doing what is meaningful in your life? And let's think, think of anxiety as more sort of along for the ride and try to figure out ways to focus on the meaningful things and just let anxiety be. And that takes some practice. That's not a, a simple thing. And like I said, that's something that uh, I'm going to talk about a, a ways to do that here in the show. But that's something you probably need help with. Um, for me to just sort of lay out the thing, well, how am I going to get anxiety to go away? Now we're right back in the trap we were before. We're not going to get anxiety to go away. We're going to try to work on and practice things, techniques that make anxiety less important. Folks, hope you're enjoying the show. I really want to emphasize something at this point, and that is please, please, please give me some feedback at Merrill at CounselorsCanHelp.com. Send me an email. Let me know how you're enjoying the show, what you don't like about the show, and any requests or topics you want to talk about in the future that would really be helpful. Now I'm going to talk about some values examples and a little hint here into my personal life and how values applied to me some years ago. Essentially, my panic attack started in earnest uh, at a very high altitude in Colorado. And then my mind sort of said, well, if I go to these high places, then I will have a panic attack. Well, the problem that was having for me personally is you could say, well, just don't go to those high places. Well, great. That sounds wonderful. Except my job was a pilot. There are numerous examples. Um, People that, you know, want to say have a life partner. And again, dating makes them anxious. Well, you've got a conflict there. You can say, well, I'm not dating. I'm just going to be single. I meant for that. But deep down, if you say or think to yourself, well, that's really not what I want to be. I don't want to be single. I want to have someone. That is where a depression can take hold because this is a, a thing that you wanted in your life. And it's, you now feel anxiety has put it out of reach. This is going to have implications on your life. This is going to have implications on your mood and not in a good way. What I recommend instead is 
pursuing dating, again, with some help, get some, how can I get back to doing these things? How can I get back to these behaviors in, in a way that, I, that is controlled and, and I'm okay with? Again, a counselor can help you do that to get back to um, these kinds of activities. In my example, my personal example, I was becoming quite fearful of high places. Essentially, my panic attacks started in earnest uh, at a very high altitude in Colorado. And then my mind sort of said, well, if I go to these high places, then I will have a panic attack. Well, the problem that was having for me personally is you could say, well, just don't go to those high places. Well, great. That sounds wonderful. Except my job was a pilot. This is now incompatible with my job. The only way for me to avoid being at high altitude was to basically quit doing that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. That's just not, that's not acceptable. This flying shtick that I do is too much of what I am, and I'm just not willing to let it go. I'm, I'm going to fight for it. And so that then started me seeing a therapist and, you know, away we go. So that was motivating me to try to figure this out. But I, in my mind said, I, that's a, that's a line I will not cross. I'm not going to stop doing these things. I did have to take some time off. I mean, for sure. But the idea was always to get back to work. There are moments in this job that I have right now, the therapist job that I do, there are moments in time where I wake up or think about coming into office the next day and I don't want to come. It's not necessarily in those moments an anxiety thing, although there can be a little bit of it, but there are just days where I just don't feel like coming in. I've got to figure out a way to think about that in, a, in some form where I don't give in to those impulses and those urges. The impulse or the urge is not the thing. The thing that I'm worried about is what's, what's valuable to me is these folks that I come see, I think are somewhat not dependent on me, but are expecting some kind of service. They're expecting me to be there. They've taken time out of their day to be there. Um, I want to be there for them. And so on these days where I don't feel like coming in, my value is to say, this is what I'm doing. I'm in a helping industry. I want to be there for them and I'm just going to have to set my feelings aside. And eventually what happens is I go to the office and I kind of forget about the fact that I didn't want to come in today. And I just dig into doing the job and poof, those things are gone. I can assure you that if you start giving into these impulses and say, in my case, yeah, I'm going to just call in sick just because I don't feel like coming in. Oh, this is going to start off a chain of events where down the road, I'm going to have this feeling more and more and more. I don't want that to happen. That's a very um, bad place to be. So I can see sort of the, the downside of giving into this because it, that impulse then just gets stronger. Um, and, and I don't want to go down that. So this idea of values, is this is how I apply it. And the other thing I want to caution you about is this does not mean... And people can, as I talk about this values idea, can sometimes people can get the idea that this means suck it up. Just suck it up. And I admit that suck it up sounds quite similar in some ways to what are these stories that I just mentioned. The difference between what I've described and suck it up means in suck it up, you just, you have no real plan. I mean, you have no idea about where you're going and there is a little bit of suck it up to be done. 
Um, when you identify the things that are important in your life and you want to make changes, there is a, a, a kind of an element to that. But what you're helped by is the fact that the thing you're doing is important to you and you're willing to sort of put in the time and the effort and the work to do it. If you just have concentrate on your anxiety, your suck it up strength is quite low because you don't know when this thing will ever end. There's no payoff for you. The only payoff is for the anxiety to go down. Well, if anxiety is high, sucking it up will not work because you have no end in sight. There's no goal or thing you're trying to meet. There's no valuable idea you're trying to accomplish. You're merely trying to get your anxiety down. Therefore, suck it up does not work because there's no way to even show you that it's going to work. You're just gritting your teeth and doing it, okay? What I'm talking about is slightly different. You're going you're gonna to work through something, but eventually there is a promise on the other end that it will be different. There's a, there's a legitimate scientific reasoned approach to making something different on the backside. Just the simple idea of suck it up, trying to lower your anxiety, that is not the same. That is not ultimately going to work because you're just becoming more and more angry about the anxiety that you have and trying to use every ounce of strength you can to sort of push through. Eventually, that, that reserve of strength is going to be gone. Um, and that's quite often what people then find themselves going, well, I can't seem to face that anxiety, so I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to start drinking more and more. You name it. You can, you can see the road that you go down. I want to talk a little bit about what I call the panic curve. People that have panic attacks often, and it's, and it's quite normal to associate them with a place place or an activity. When I go do this, I get panic attacks. When I do that, I get panic attacks. When I think about this thing, I get panic attacks. So I'm not going to do those things and therefore I won't get panic attacks. That sounds, that sounds logical and reasonable, except generally that's almost always ineffective because the reason you think you're getting the panic attack isn't the, really the reason that, that is why. And again, this is one of those things that it's really hard for me to, to demonstrate over this, this uh, venue is <clears throat> I, I draw on the board usually a curve, which is uh, kind of a, I guess, a low, low left corner of the board, high in the right corner of the board. So a line that's going up over time. And what I, what I say is if you're not on this anxiety curve, your, your life is whatever, you're generally not worried about panic. You know, things are calm, all is well. But once you get on this panic curve and your anxiety is high enough to sort of get on this curve, this is where panic starts because you now associate with, oh, this anxiety feeling that I have is strong enough. I'm afraid this anxiety feeling is going to get out of control. So I never want this anxiety feeling to get this high. I want it to always be down. But when it does get high, Due to some accident or thing out of your control or just some seemingly random event, you now are on a curve or on a pathway to panic. This is what you need to understand. You're not fighting the place, the thing necessarily, although there can be some elements of that. What you're fighting is this feeling that you have of anxiety in your body that you're afraid of. You don't like this feeling and you're worried about what it will turn into. This is how panic starts because now you're trying to squash this anxiety, but you're in some ways feeling like, nope, once I get to this level, 
There's no stopping it now. Away we go. But probably in your mind, you're thinking, well, I'm having this panic attack because I'm at the store, or I'm at the, the game, or you know whatever it is. Um, or maybe this is some new place that I have panic and then I can no longer go to. No, what you're fighting is that feeling of anxiety is not tolerable for you and you're afraid it's going to get away from you. This is logical and reasonable, but again, you got to recognize what you're, what you're going after here. So the target, what we want to do in the therapy room is address in slow, controlled ways, getting you on this anxiety curve, actually practicing or giving you a little bit of anxiety to get you on that curve. And now we're going to work on ways to get you to leave that curve in a controlled way, techniques, things that you can do to get yourself off of that. So when you feel higher and higher anxiety, you are not then pushed into a panic attack. You have tools and ways to address that anxiety curve, that anxiety amount. So it's not a fight of, I have to stay away from this or that thing. It's really more of a you educating yourself on feeling a certain level of anxiety and being able to say, you know what, I can handle this amount of anxiety. It's okay. Once you have that confidence to say, I can handle this amount of anxiety, panic will not come because it will, it will not continue to grow. The immediate confidence that you have that you can handle it stops it in its tracks. It is no longer going to grow and get out of control. And no longer are you worried about getting out of it getting out of control because you have tools and ideas in place. You've practiced it and you know what to do. So it's, it's all about having a strategy, a game plan. Okay, so let's get into practice. Practice anxiety. Oh, I can just see the, my client's eyes roll and the tension in their bodies when I start talking about this immediately, right? It sounds horrifying. We're going to practice anxiety. Um, again, a therapist can help you do this. There are numerous ways. I call it practice anxiety. Other people will call it exposure. There's lots of uh, terms around it, but ultimately, I think practice anxiety is more of what it sounds like to me. And this can be done in numerous ways. So um, for you at home, to kind of go, what, what would this be? Um, I've, I've talked before on this show about folks who are um, perfectionists or, or more to, to the point in this discussion, folks who are kind of living the same day over and over again. They're, they're very much creatures of habit. Everything must be done a certain way. And they tend to do this because doing it differently creates anxiety. They don't like that. And so it's a constant battle of control to keep everything the way it is, the way they know it's going to be. And that's what they do. And it can be as simple as, and I've mentioned this on the show before, driving to work, this is the how they do it, or going to the store, whatever it is. They have a way that they do, and this is how they do it. And when you ask them, ultimately, why do you go the same way all the time? Well, they say, well, obviously, it's the best way. And I may say, okay, it's probably, you're probably not wrong. I don't, I don't live where you live. I don't, I don't know how to get there. But my guess is there are other ways to get there. Can you drive other ways to get there? And the answer is, of course. Of course I can drive other ways to get there. But when asked to do it, these folks in this particular category, most folks will not care at all. They'll just go, okay, well, I'll just drive another way and no big deal. But if you find yourself driving that different way and it actually makes you anxious because this is not the way I do it, you are now practicing anxiety. You have put yourself into a situation that is 
obviously not dangerous. It's not, you know, over the top. But for you, it is anxiety producing because you are very much a creature of habit of doing things a certain way. And this little little exercise is a great way for you to notice anxiety in this task that you're doing and saying, no, wait a minute. All I'm doing is driving a different way to work or the store. I can do this. This is not, you know, this is not about finding the best way to work. It's about just being flexible, opening yourself up, giving yourself range to allow new things into your life, to allow um, new ways to do things, to just be more open and flexible. This is a great little thing you can do, you know, by yourself in, in daily life on just small, simple tasks like this that let's be honest, you do it this certain way because it makes you less anxious for some reason. And it's not important the reason for this exercise. Just look for those little opportunities to do things in a different way and notice if your anxiety goes up. If your anxiety does go up, then you have found a great little exercise that you can practice about just forcing yourself to do something a different way and just letting that anxiety be there. Not pushing it away, not saying it can't be there, you're allowing the anxiety to be there and doing the thing anyway. This is all part of, and, and like I said, only makes sense if you have a kind of a values approach of like, why am I doing this? Why am I making myself anxious? If the goal is to never be anxious, you'll never do this. You'll never practice the anxiety because the goal is always to keep anxiety low. This is very much a, a wall that clients have to get over or get past. They come in with the idea that you, Mr. Counselor, therapist, person, are going to make my anxiety go down. Why are you now telling me to go home and practice being anxious? I don't want to do that. That sounds awful. But my response is, this is how you're going to get out of this. And, and we're not going to do it in a way that's overwhelming for you. When we talk about practice anxiety, we're not throwing you in the deep end of the pool here. We're talking about learning to do little things that produce that anxiety feeling and you getting used to that low level anxiety and, and doing the thing anyway. And ideally you come through doing a few of these exercises and say, you know what, that low level anxiety really didn't matter. I just did the other thing and turns out it really didn't matter to me. I don't know why I was so inflexible of doing this thing this certain way or, you know, whatever it is. Simple things of having people change positions around the dinner table. <laughs> I mean, just something silly like that. It seems like so like, why would this even make someone anxious? This can make people incredibly anxious. They're not sitting in the spot that they're supposed to be in. Uh, I've had a client talk about uh, um, just moving the place that the person sat in meetings at work. That did make them anxious. And it was a great exercise to go, okay, this is anxiety. This is not where I normally sit. I'm mixing it up a little bit. And I'm just going to sort of let anxiety be there and, and still perform in my work environment. It's a very simple, controlled way of just confronting anxiety in a way that is very controlled. And you do start to learn that, hey, I don't have to give in to this feeling. The feeling is not the thing. What I'm after is living my life, being able to make choices, being able to make changes in a way that anxiety is not constantly telling me, no, you can't. Don't make that choice. You cannot go do this thing. No, you're learning how to say, I want to get back to doing these things in my life. And right now that thing that I really want is seems a little bit 
unattainable at the moment. It could be things like flying on an airplane. It could be things like um, maybe driving in some areas. Lots of little fears or much greater things is unattainable at this moment. But the way you're going to attain that is not to come up with the ultimate thought about how that thing isn't going to make me anxious. How you're going to attain that thing, such as maybe I haven't been to the dentist in 15 years and I know there's things that need to be done in my mouth and I'm just freaked out about going. We're not going to convince you that going to the dentist is fine necessarily. You're going to get there by doing a series of small steps that allow you to practice the anxiety and get you ultimately in the dentist chair and have them start working on your teeth. That's a process. That's not a wish. That's not a waving of a wand. That's not a taking a pill or a gummy or, you know, whatever it is. There's lots of things we can bring to bear to get you to do that thing without trying to defeat the big monster all at once. You, you build up to it. Something that happens often, so I get, well, clients will then start to go, okay, I get it. I'm going to try a new thing or, or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm going to allow the anxiety to be there. And so we will talk about um, in session about just when these small levels of anxiety come, just observe what is that anxiety. And again, a therapist will help you do this in session so that you can start to get the idea of what does that look like? What does that feel like? What is it, what is anxiety really feel like? This is a major hurdle that people have to get over because what comes with anxiety many times in panic is the feeling that I'm having a heart attack. I'm having this. I'm, there's something medically wrong with me. I'm having a pain. Oh, that pain could mean this or this other thing. Well, I mean, that can be, I mean, you have to listen to your body certainly, but once you've sort of done that and then on, on some level said, well, I'm going to have to go to the doctor. This sounds, this looks, um, I, I don't, I can't explain this pain. Well, then do that. But if you decide, well, okay, I think this thing is just anxiety, then I have to, and the only way you can really know that is you've practiced anxiety. You've sat in small levels of anxiety and then just, and just noticed in my body, what does anxiety feel like? What are the sort of the, the indicators? What should I be looking for that tells me this is not a huge health concern that this is anxiety? And what that feeling is for many people is different. It's never the same. There are some sort of generic ones of what anxiety feels like. There's some going to be some sort of kind of a racing heart rate, but people have all forms of, of how this affects them to facial like heat things. Um, people talk about things in their feet, uh, twitching muscles. I mean, there, there's a range of, of things that anxiety could look like for you. And what's nice is if you practice anxiety or noticing it, on a low level, you start to get a sense of what that, those, those indicators are for you. Now down the road, when you're sitting there going, oh, is this, a, is this a heart attack or is this anxiety? Well, you now are much better equipped to sort of mentally walk through that checklist to say, what is this? And then start to make those decisions, I guess, with more confidence because you have something to go on other than I just feel pains or, you know, whatever it is in my body. You've experienced anxiety. You've noticed it. You've sat with it. That's all part of practicing anxiety and doing these things again that a counselor can help you with. And these are great ways to just start to get more confidence with anxiety and, and what it is in your life. Folks, I just want to underscore something here. I don't want it to seem at all like I'm making light of this anxiety versus medical reasoning discussion. 
The reason is there are plenty of folks in this world who walk through this kind of um, reasoning every day uh, or seemingly every day. And many, a large group of those folks are cancer survivors. Uh, you're listening to one. This is a major part, has been a huge chunk of my life. When you come out of any sort of cancer uh, episode, there's a big thought in your mind that says any new pain is new cancer. This can set off a wave of panic and you can see how that can sort of uh, feed on itself. There are numerous other medical examples of where panic uh, and anxiety can sort of make the situation worse and certainly uh, disguise or cover symptoms or make you feel ridiculous like you're going to talk to someone about these symptoms. This is why it's actually quite medically important for folks to learn what is anxiety and what is, in fact, a medical problem. And when you're just unsure, you're just going to have to default to the medical problem and go see somebody. Over time, you will work this out. You'll figure it out and you'll learn your body. But it's, n it's not a trivial matter. I just want to emphasize that. Now I want to get back to the show and talk about different ways to practice anxiety. There were moments for me, actually a, a quite powerful thing for me, my personal life was um, practicing anxiety, was just taking a couple of minutes during the day and just sitting and allowing sort of a reverse meditation, if you will, of letting anxious thoughts come to mind. And I, and I would just sit there and just kind of swim around in anxiety for a little bit, um, whatever the anxious thought was. This provided a couple of benefits. One is it did the thing I just talked about, about learning what anxiety felt like for me. And I had a pretty good sense of what that was. But it also allows you to sort of get all that thought, that thought that's waiting to get out, to allow that to get out in during the day. You can then afterwards do a meditation if you want to calm back down or just get back to your normal life, whatever you want to do to get back to your normal sense of being. This allows that process to happen during the day and not at night when you lay down and close your eyes. Because ultimately, many people with anxiety find they're, I'm busy during the day, busy, 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 trying to keep myself occupied, get to the bedroom, turn off the lights. Now, all of a sudden, my eyes are closed. I have nothing that is going to keep me occupied or keep me distracted. Now, the thoughts all come rushing in. Again, a therapist can help with managing these kinds of thoughts so that you can get to sleep. And the first time these thoughts show up is not when you lay down. Um, you don't want that. That's really annoying. And this is a great way to do that. So again, there's numerous ways a therapist can help you walk through these things because they're kind of scary to do. They're kind of scary to start. And I'd really recommend you have a professional help you do that because you can cut off a lot of time here. Ultimately, we're talking about doing something that is kind of like learning to play a musical instrument. Yes, there are people who can pick up the instrument and learn to play on their own quite well. That has happened in history. For the other 99% of us, we need some professional help. We need someone to sort of show us some things and, and sit back and then watch us play and then again give us more tips, techniques, things to study, practice recommendations. This is very much what you're trying to do with anxiety. You're basically playing a musical instrument you've never played before and it would really speed it up. It would really be more effective if you just got someone to help you with it and I highly recommend that you do that. The last thing I want to mention here, and we've gone through a number of, of topics, is 
Many times people will then do these small little things that I suggest that one of the clients that I have, and they will do something like, you know, like I said, drive a different way to work or some, some small thing like that. Or maybe a bank thing shows up and uh, they have a, an anxiety or what appears to be almost a panic attack. They tell me the story almost in a dejected fashion. Oh, I was at the house. I've been feeling so much better. All this stuff we've been doing, Merrill, has been so great. It's been working. But the other day, I was at the house, and I had this overwhelming sense of whatever. Uh, fear that I had not done this thing or checked this thing or, you know, whatever it was. So, one, they're very upset that anxiety came back. And they feel like this, this thing was a failure, a failure on their part that they haven't beat this yet and now the anxiety was back in this situation and that feels like a setback. Until we dig further and I ask them, well, what did you do? And they'll say, well, I did the things that we talked about. I went for a walk or, you know, whatever it was and, you know, eventually I, you know, pushed through it or, you know, whatever I did, I, I did the task or I was able to get through or made, made the decisions I wanted to make. I thought were the right decisions, but it was hard, but I did get through it. And my response is that is a win. The story you've just told me is a gigantic win. You should be proud of yourself. The reason is not that anxiety came. We, we can never control what anxiety comes. It's an emotion. It's just not possible. What we're trying to control is our reaction to the anxiety and, and figuring out how, what we're going to do, what skills I can learn, what ways I can stop anxiety from controlling me. Anxiety is okay to show up. It's just not going to control me. It's not going to make me do things I don't want to do. So when someone says to me, hey, this anxiety thing happened to me in this situation and we've been working on practicing anxiety and, and I'm giving them tools and things to, to work on, they expect somewhat unrealistically that the anxiety in those situations will never come back. And I say that has never been the goal. That is not, that's not realistic. What is, what is realistic is anxiety can come back in those situations. What is different is your confidence level of noticing the anxiety and then saying, okay, I know what to do with this. I know how to proceed. I'm not going to let anxiety get me or beat me. This can happen in many forms that can immediately have an impact on the person's life. Um, in some ways, insomnia is sort of a great example of this. A uh, person is really afraid to go to bed. They know they're going to wake up at 2 a.m. and they're never going to get back to sleep. So they walk the life sleep deprived constantly in this fear or this, this frustration of not being able to get back to sleep. Well, we were working on, you know, you work on this and then guess what? You're going to go home, practice some things and probably going to wake up at 2 a.m. It's easy to get frustrated all over again and sort of fall back into old habits. But what we're working on is ways to have this thing happen. And now you have better tools and more confidence to handle it. And once you find that you can get back to sleep, it just may take a couple hours. But now you at least got one hour of sleep that you didn't get before or something like that. Now the tide is turned because you now know you can handle it. You're not quite where you want to be yet, but you know you can handle it. Do not look at these anxiety moments as defeats. They're great learning moments. They're great practice. They're great tools. They're great scenarios for you to put your knowledge and, and focus and energy into practice to solve it, to make it again, not tell you what to do, but allow anxiety to be there. And you just sort of go on about your business the best way you can. The more you do that, 
the less anxiety does come around. And when it does come around, the less impact it has. That is what success looks like. Success is not, I never get anxious again. That's not realistic. That's not possible. What success looks like is when anxiety does come around, it comes around the, the, the bouts where I'm sort of uncontrollably anxious or very much outside of my normal way of being, those scenarios become much more contracted. They, they take much less time of your day. They happen less and less. They are becoming less and less of an impact in your life. But it is very frustrating and scary when a person goes, okay, I'm on that road. I feel like I'm on that path. And a couple of weeks went by. I didn't get anxious when I went to the store or whatever. And then I was there. And then I had this bout of anxiety. It feels like a failure. It feels like I thought I had this solved. I wasn't going to be anxious when I went in the store. And I would say, you are solving it. Because as it turns out, you did stay in the store and you got your items. And eventually the anxiety did drop. You did not give in to it. You stayed and, and or you know, gave yourself a couple minutes and maybe walked around the parking lot, whatever, and, and went into the store anyway. You, you did the thing you intended to do. Anxiety did not stop you. That is what success looks like. That is the win. Not the fact that anxiety came. The fact that it came and you did what you needed to do to move on with your life. That is what progress looks like. That is what success looks like. And that is ultimately what your road to recovery will look like. Okay, um, I think I'm at the end of my, my talking list here. Been at it for a while, and it's a, quite a lengthy show, but I th- there's a lot of important stuff in here that you may have to go back and, and re-listen and, and re-sort of absorb. There's a lot of concepts in here that you may not have heard before and, and different ways of thinking. You may get the concepts and the different ways of thinking, but I, again, stress and encourage you to get someone to help you with this, to walk through how you would go about making these changes. And again, many therapists do it a different way. Um, you may have to hunt a little bit to find that person who you feel is right for you, but there are lots of ways and approaches to do this kind of anxiety work. A lot of it is really though centrally focused on your attitude, your expectations, how this works exactly, and eliminating the idea that, well, I'm going to get rid of anxiety. It's not going to come back. I say if you have that idea, you're probably not in a point where you're going to be able to actually recover because you keep expecting the same thing to occur and that thing you're expecting is basically not realistic. And that expectation of anxiety not coming will then start to drive you to more and more extreme behaviors and activities that you think will keep anxiety away. And before long, you're not living the life you want to live. You're doing a lot of extreme activities, um, drug usage, you know, whatever it is. So um, there's a way to get through this. There's a way to systematically dismantle anxiety and make it not driving your life. This is possible and entirely solvable. I assure you, you can do it. Um, it It would just most likely increase your degree of success if you have a professional helping you, there are plenty available. Go to counselorscanhelp.com to find one in your area and listen to this show. We'll have more ideas and uh, shows like this, Conquering Future a series on, on different things that folks experience. You'll hear that only on Counselors Can Help. We'll see you next time. Our mission is to spread the word that counselors can help. We want to teach you how to get started and get the most out of therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a professional in your area to help yourself through a loved one. 
Thank you to Kelsey Fink, our production assistant and chief of technology and social media. Thanks to Aspire Counseling at AspireUT.com for their support. If you want to know more about how counselors can help, go to counselorscanhelp.com. We have lots of resources, information, and we update it all the time. We'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help, a production of Merge Publishing.